Hornsville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Sharp, Director of Communications for the City of Hornsville Heights. Now, for my guest today, Dr. Margaret McKenzie, I'm not going to give you too much setup. Um, you're gonna, she's going to reveal herself very clearly when she gets started. But what I would like to share with you is what you can't appreciate, because uh, this is an audio medium, not visual. Um, and that is, she's a very soulful, spiritual person. She, just her physical presence, the way she carries herself, she's extremely grounded, extremely humble, highly successful, smart, um, engaging, but she, there's a calmness to her, and it's just captivating, and it, it certainly grabbed my attention uh, when I first met her a few months ago. So I'm very excited for you to meet her, too, in this brand-new episode. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Dr. Margaret McKenzie to the podcast. She is the president of South Point Hospital, a Cleveland Clinic um, hospital, and uh, she was she's held this position for a year now. Fifteen months. Fifteen months. How does it feel? Um, it feels really good because we are making an impact. So compared to where we were one year ago, I'm really pleased with where things are headed. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen? Well, um, number one, um, the hospital's been preparing for a while to um, achieve magnet status. And in uh, December, we were successful. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Can you um, describe what exactly that means? So magnet status uh, is um, uh, an excellence um, metric that, uh, the, it, that is used in the country to denote a hospital that has um, excellence in patient quality and safety in nursing care. Had the hospital ever achieved that in the no, past? No, this is the first time, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and we're one of only a very few hospitals in Ohio that actually have that designation. Outstanding. Yeah. Did you ever guess that you would be the president of a major hospital? Um, no, actually. I actually thought that I, uh, I was really heading toward being a dean of a medical school. Um, and was really considering that when this was offered to me. And uh, I'm glad I took it because um, I really like it. I like uh, doing this work. Um, I like the impact it has on the community more than anything else, uh, much more so than a deanship would have had. So. Okay, we're gonna step away from uh, medicine for just a second. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, um, I love your accent and I sort of locked onto that uh, when I first heard you speak at a meeting okay. and I learned that you are from Guyana right which is in South America right uh, right on the coast right and uh, tell me what life was like growing up there because that's pretty far away yeah and what do you imagine for yourself what was possible for you so um, Guyana is um, a tropical, um, right just a little off the equator, mm -hmm. um, a little um, country next door to Venezuela, Brazil, and Colombia. And um, it used to be a British colony. So um, when I was about eight years old, um, Guyana achieved independence from Britain. Um, and so um, lots of the customs that are there are primarily embedded in the Brit British system. So we have a parliament and ministers of the government, 
and um you know, tea at four o'clock in the well, afternoon. Well, I was going to ask that. I didn't want to go there, but I'm glad you did. It's, scones with it? Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. And scones and sandwiches, um, in spite of the fact that it's hot and humid in the middle of the day, it's just custom. Um, but I think along with that um, is um, basically um, respect for literacy for all of its citizens. And uh, education is a major priority. So it really doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, education is a priority for everyone. Um, when I grew up um, there, it was, um, I mean, it was a very poor country. And um, once uh, we got independence from Britain, you know, we were very poor, dirt poor. Um, in fact, uh, even the worst neighborhood in Cleveland was wealthier than where I grew up. Um, but uh, you learned to um, not blame anyone and to um, make your North Star about making things better, um, not just for yourself, but for everybody else in the society. And so we took ownership of that. Um, the way I grew up, um, my goodness, the library was my friend. I was a bookworm. And um, I basically, I read all of the books, every single book in the elementary part of the library from... Um, 12 and below, and I read most of the books that were in the adult section. In fact, I used to have adults uh, getting me books even before I could get my library card to go into the adult section. So I was a big reader, liked lying down on the trees and reading or being on a swing and reading a book. Um, and we played a lot outside, so we um, don't didn't have any, um, you know, board games and so forth, and so you'd make things up. Um, hopscotch and um, you know tag and and so forth so we spent a lot of time outside um, and uh, you know family family is is very important well, um, we should mention you're one of seven children uh -uh, I'm one of nine, nine children. children okay yeah I'm one of nine children your number uh, three. three number three mm-hmm mm -hmm. That's a big family. It is a big family. Catholicism, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But they're still in Guyana. Or um, few are here. Few are in the U.S. Um, and um, so half of us are in the U.S. and half of us are still at home. Um, and my mom is 87 years old. And she, I just talked to her on the way over here. She calls me every single morning. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Checking up on you, she says. Yeah. What do you need today? What do you need to make it through today? It's nice to know that in spite of my age, that it's nice to have my mom around still inquiring about my well-being and whether or not uh, I need her for the day. Mm. That's sweet. Very sweet. Um, Thanks. But we should mention about your day. Um, it is about 9.15 now in the morning, and when you came in, you told me you've already been to three meetings. Correct. Exactly. You are a busy lady. What What were these meetings? I mean, without going into too much detail, so, um, to, so, to get a window into right. the world. So the first meeting, um, I was just um, I was just recruited to be one of the members of Leadership Cleveland 2019. <gasps> oh, that's a tremendous so, honor! Thank wow. you. So we met um, our group met. Uh, we're responsible for education, and we met this morning at 7 a.m. downtown, and then um, I ended up having um, to stop off and have another short meeting um, regarding privileges of one of our physicians at our place. And then I just stopped by, uh, met with my leadership team really briefly, and um, we're going to continue that meeting at 11.30 after this meeting is over. So That was at the hospital? Yeah. Okay. You were a busy lady. 
Um, one of the issues that is facing um, Warrensville Heights and other communities, but seems to be impacting this community, is infant mortality. Yes. So can we just talk about what the driving force is behind that, and if you have any statistics that you're aware of? So, um, yes, infant mortality is a problem. Um, and uh, not just in Northeast Ohio, but um, also across the country, um, we're seeing uh, it's linked to um, prematurity, premature birth, premature births, and um, also um, to um, accidents where babies are sometimes crushed in beds because they're in bed with parents. Um, and um, you know, I think that. Uh, um, and you know you always have to think about things like um, access to health care, um, infections, and um, probably nutrition as factors that actually um, you know contribute to to the rates that we see. Well, two I, of these could overlap when you talk about premature birth and access to health care. So we know that a baby that's maybe 21, 22, 23 weeks old, can survive if you have access to health care. So are you talking about <coughs> children, ba babies that are below 21 weeks or? So, um, so what I would say is um, usually 21 to 24 weeks are, you know, they tend to serve, if they do serve, first of all, they've got a lowest chance of survival. And um, when they do, and it has to do with prematurity, there are lots of complications, hemorrhage in the brain, um, problems with um, getting um, oxygen, so um, breathing problems, um, susceptibility to infections, and um, it's very difficult to get nutrition into those babies. So most of those babies will spend the first three or four months of their lives in the neonatal intensive care unit, um, which um, then is, um, is, a, is um, a challenge in itself. Um, luckily, does, South, does South Point have a NICU? No, we don't have we don't have any obstetrical or pediatric services. Yeah, so um, so anyhow, so for us, we have just uh, started a centering program where we are trying to engage women who are pregnant in groups, um, support groups, so that they can learn um, how to care for themselves during pregnancy um, and in the period immediately following pregnancy. And so these women have started to um, be a support system for one another. So it's like having a community um, of women who are having children who can support each other. Um, I think that, um, you know, having a job and being able to afford, um, you know, simple, um, simple, uh, um, things like nutrition and um, having heat in your home, um, being able to have a clean home and so forth. I think that those are all things that um, might uh, be part of the hidden um, contributor to some of the things that we see. And so for us, we're trying as much as possible to um, engage uh, the community around those things. So we just started a centering program at South Point Hospital. Sounds wonderful. Thanks. Um, so regarding taking care of your health. Yes. Because this is one of your um, primary interests, obviously. 
um, we spoke about chronic diseases that yes. a lot of people are facing. Right. And um, can you speak to how you would like to see people approaching their health that maybe they're getting wrong? Right. So, so um, I, I feel as though um, your health is your wealth. Not That's a good you know, line. not right, not just being colloquial, but your health is your wealth. Yeah, your okay. health is your wealth because um, once you are well, you have um, capability of seeking what it is that you need. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have poor health, um, then you're susceptible to to failing really in every way because um, it's difficult to um, to get resources to do what you need to thrive. Um, and uh, what I'd like to see is uh, I think that all of us know uh, based on the people who went before us so our families our friends and the people in our communities churches school work we know the big diseases we see them in the news in the media on the newsstand as you're walking out of the grocery store um, and so it's in our faces that um, you know if that that number one you might be susceptible to certain things because other people in your community or your family are. And um, the second part is that um, you could do something about it. Now, one of the um, one of the toughest parts is feeling like you don't have access because you don't have insurance or um, a Medicaid or Medicare, you know, um, card that you can present for care. And so many people um, end up showing up at the emergency room for care that should be done in a doctor's office or in an urgent care setting. Um, not only does that drive up the cost of healthcare, but it's a very poor way of getting healthcare because it's not continuous. It's just a one done in one moment in time and you can't stay healthy like that. So um, I think finding ways of making um, you know, healthcare accessible to every single citizen, I think is, um, is, is the goal. And I think when you go out there and you do your voting, you need to think about things like the affordable, the, the, you know, the F Affordable um, Care Act and um, things that would level the playing field for everyone coming to the table, every citizen, um, regardless of your economic status, um, your race, your gender, um, that everybody should have access to, to the same quality of care. Um, in, in this community that we're serving, the common diagnoses that we see are related to three or four big diseases. And it's um, chronic hy hypertension or high blood pressure, um, diabetes or sugar, as the, um, the lay person calls it, um, uh, um, weight, um, weight, excess weight, carrying excess weight, right? Um, correct, exactly. Mm -hmm. And heart disease, um, because um, all of those then can recur, you know, can, can cause us to have a failing heart, failing kidneys, you know, failing liver. Um, and those are things that are preventable. And also um, we see a fair amount of strokes. So I think that uh, knowing what runs in your family behoves you to, you know, go to your neighborhood library and start finding out more about those diseases so that you can do, there are little things that every one of us can do regardless of our economic, what we could afford, our economic capability, regardless of if you have a job. There are things that you can do, right? 
to take your health into your own hands, and that's what I'd like to see. And, and several of those overlap. Yes. If you have obesity, you're likely to have diabetes. And high blood pressure. And high blood pressure. So then you dial that back, and it's about diet and exercise. Right. Quite so a bit. Right. And, um, and I don't like the word diet because okay. the word diet has such an incredible, I think it makes a lot of people cringe when they hear the word. So I would say um, what you put in your body right? Whether it is the kind of food you're eating. We know about things like trans fats. We know about, um, and fats are important. You just have to use healthy fats. Um, you know, like, like, uh, like um, things like um, avocados, okay? Nuts. Um, nuts, right? Um, and, a, and, and the key thing is to not use them in excess, mm -hmm. but also use things like oily fish. Mm -hmm. So like um, salmon is a classic that comes to mind. Um, and for you to, um, to, to know that the kind of fat you put in your body is important, but your body does need fat. Your brain needs it, okay? For, and several of your cells need it for function. And, um, and then again, the other part then is, um, is um, cigarettes, alcohol. And I think that movement um, is important. And I don't even like to call it exercise because a lot of people have the aversion. Because when you look around, Everybody in this United States know about exercise and diet, right? Mm -hmm. But if you start saying when what you buy at the grocery store, what you put in your in your body, makes the biggest difference, without framing it as diet, then there's no pressure to go on a quote unquote diet. But instead, pay attention to the nutrition, the food that you're taking in, and the drinks that you're taking in, sugary drinks, you know, soda pop, alcohol, mm -hmm. um, excessively, and so forth. And then the other part is we have to move to live. We were built for movement, and um, like my 87-year-old mother says, you know, she goes up and down 16 stairs every day several times, and uh, she says, oh, you just have to get up, and you just have to move, and she said you have to have something you're passionate about every day, and um, so in other words, finding meaning in your life is, is as important to sticking, you know, because sometimes then it distracts you from what is your lot, quote-unquote the things you might not have, and you start focusing on other things. I have found um, focusing on other people is, is all about all of my work. When I don't focus uh, on myself so much in the, the nuances of my own life and I'm focusing on other people, I find energy that I didn't even know I had. You know, so I could be tired, but if I'm focusing on somebody else and helping somebody else, boom, I am, I am there, and then I've got enough for my own tank. So. Okay, uh, one of the things you told me is that you want to leave a legacy here. Mm. So why don't you speak to that point as it relates to children, I think, is where you wanted to go with that. So, um, in a poor country, okay, as poor as the country that I grew up in, we had a very high rate of literacy, meaning people who could read and write. Um, and I feel as though um, education saved me um, because I had a, an excellent, um, and I even want to say outstanding, um, elementary education um, and high school education. Um, I was able to choose something that I hadn't even thought I would end up in, medicine. But if I did not have a good math you know, foundation, I couldn't do trigonometry or calculus. 
Um, and um, I couldn't do chemistry and physics because math is so important. So I feel as though educating um, young people, um, once you educate people, you can no longer, um, you can no longer um, enslave their minds. Um, and I think that education points to freedom for all of us because at least you will have options of going and finding information. Um, being able to look at a lot of things that are presented in the media and to screen it and know what's right and what's wrong. Um, being able to vote, making choices, knowing the issues so you could vote. And even um, when you're looking things up on the internet, learning what are the things that are credible and what are not, because there's so much out there. We're on information overload. And education allows you to sift through that. Um, and I think that if we focus on education, I strongly feel um, as though um, we can actually end up taking care of the next generation. Um, I, I, I strongly feel that way. So I focus a lot on education um, because I think that um, even if people find themselves in a place where they don't have equal um, opportunity for employment, they can get up and leave and go somewhere else because they're educated and they can do something about that. Well, you, you've really cast education now, but when we spoke earlier about how it empowers people and um, it helps them to solve their own problems because others cannot solve them, everything for them. And that's what education will help them achieve. It, yeah, I think it, it makes you own things. Um, and um, even if you blame people, you'll know inside of your conscience that, that no, nobody's responsible for where you need to be. Actually, it's about you. Mm -hmm. So even if um, even if uh, somebody you know comes in the room and they don't want to engage you, you know you could go somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, you can also know that um, I'm not responsible for making sure that you succeed. You are. You know. You know what that looks like. You know what that feels like. I can I can open doors for you for you to walk through. But if you don't have what it takes to walk through the doors, then, you know, where are we then, right? Right. So. Um, you are the cover girl of uh, the City Magazine uh, for this quarter, the okay. fall issue. And in that article, um, you mentioned how you're really not phased by anything medically. <laughs> and uh, how did you adapt that mindset? So again, going back to the way I was raised um, in this country, um, I went to the pediatrician probably maybe two or three times in my entire life. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, we got our vaccinations at school, okay. okay, through the World Health Organization. And what they would do is they'd come and do mass vaccinations. And your parents thought they'd seen enough kids who died from diseases, childhood diseases. And so it would be a no-brainer you know they're giving a free vaccination please go get it you know it'll mean that you it'll allow you to survive and thrive how did that lead to this sort of mental fortitude you have you know what um so in in the so in the in the family i grew up in in the country i grew up in um you know there we would see people who had polio and uh my god they would have difficulties with movement 
and they couldn't get a prosthesis or a brace or anything. Mm -hmm. But they had to figure out how to come and play in the playground, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and so we're very matter-of-fact about illness. So wherever life finds you, you just have to look for the opportunity in it. And so um, I think that that is, that is my mindset. That's how I grew up. That's what I saw. So um, I understand that things are going to hit us in our lives. And the key thing is to pause, to do the best that you can, and then sort of move on. And uh, don't make it like a big mountain. Mm -hmm. um, there is a time that it will be a mountain because it's, uh, it's unfamiliar. But um, then you have to move on from it because some things are clearly not curable, you know. And, um, you know, you have to sort of still think, what kind of life can I live today in spite of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like I said, on the playground, watching kids with polio, figure out with no brace or anything how they're going to play ball, soccer or something. And uh, sure, it's awkward looking, you know, but after a while, used to seeing it, it doesn't faze you anymore. You know, you think, so you have polio, so what? Let's figure out how you're going to move, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to sit in the corner because you have polio. And I even know, in fact, one of my patients here in Cleveland, um, who's in her 80s now, actually... Um, is an, a, a figure skater, an ice skater with polio. So how could that happen, right? Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it tells you that I think the human spirit is probably at the forefront of suffering. And I think that um, once we get over the initial shock of whatever unpleasantry, you know, that you're not going to look like Jane or be like Sue, you just have to move on. You don't make that your crutch, you know? You find a bigger purpose and you just move on. So that's my philosophy. Um, that that and, works. Yeah. And just the notion that um, others aren't judging you as much as you might think they are, and you shouldn't judge yourself. And even if they are judging you, <laughs> whose problem is that? Right. It's their problem, right? Yes. That, you know, it's not your problem. I mean, because everybody's got bias, mm -hmm. you know, so we all have bias. We might say we don't, but we do. Um, and bias is important for protection, but we could see extremes of it. You know, so if you went about your life thinking that you want approval from everybody, well, I think you'll be in trouble because you really could never please anybody. And, and as humans, we're fickle. We'll change our minds, you know, day to day. Well, this is what I want. Well, no, tomorrow, this is, you know, people move with the tide. And so, yeah, you have to look at all of that as background noise. Um, I, I personally refuse to let anything that's going on outside of me affect me. It's not that I'm not paying attention to it or taking counsel of it. I, I then use it to reframe how I'm looking at things. And my tendency is to give up wanting uh, approval by others, um, especially if I'm passionate and I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not stealing. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not, um, you know, um, you know, for me, I have faith. So I don't want to be living something that isn't congruent with my faith. And then you move on. So, yeah. Okay, the last element um, of your story that I'd like to cover is your medical practice previous to being the president. So, for, without giving too much away, maybe 25 years, you were... Uh, in 30. Uh, 30 years, okay. An obstetrician. Gynecologist. Gynecologist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, gynecologist treats women. Obstetrics is delivering babies. So right. you stayed away from... No, you delivered babies. I used to deliver babies. Okay. I stopped about 12 years ago because it got to be... I was just doing so much um, administrative work. Um, and so I gave that up. And um, 
but I do take care of women. Um, for for gynecologists and obstetricians, we tend to be the primary care provider for most patients because they're young and healthy and they're not going to be going just they don't have a lot of chronic disease and even if they do we tend to manage them um, well into their midlife um, but um, but my goodness delivering baby is just uh, transformative you can never look at life the same way um, and um, and taking care of women women take care of all their household and their um, elders and their children and their friends. And so um, I think that um, helping embrace, you know, them taking care of, of their community is actually congruent with my own values for for helping the community, so, yeah. Are there any um, particular issues that you see more than others in your practice here? Um. My practice is highly specialized. Uh, basically, take care of bleeding, abnormal bleeding in women. Um, and so, um, you know, when I was at the main campus, we saw many more complex cases because of other disease processes, um, other kinds of medications or chemotherapy that people have to be on that affect their bleeding patterns. Um, here we don't see as much of that. It's uh, it's mostly things having to do with fibroids, and polyps, and um, postmenopause, and uh, hormones, and so forth. So it's, it's a little bit of a different twist. Yeah. Okay. And um, on a final note, do you have any advice that you'd like to give the community about access to healthcare at South Point here and their health? We are here for you. Um, and um, if you encounter any obstacles to getting care, um, I certainly would want to know about it as the president of the hospital um, because I, I feel like we're here to serve this community and beyond and uh, we're actually starting to attract a lot of patients from out of state now, mm -hmm. um, which is a great thing because we have a, um, a few specialists that we brought over here in the area of gastroparesis um, which is where the stomach loses uh, some of its function. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're here for you. Anything that you need, we can provide the highest quality of care close to home. Our emergency room, as you know, for the people who've gone there, is the, one of the most efficient emergency rooms in getting you in and out compared to the other places in the city. And... Um, Again, the, 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 the staff who work here to care for you are very caring. Um, I've seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we hope that you would come and um, be part of our space. We are also doing a lot of community initiatives because you can't serve a community just with health and expect them to thrive. And so we're doing things around education, um, around uh, exercise and nutrition. So proactive approaches. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for sharing your message and for being so warm and welcoming, and we are very lucky to have you here. Okay, thank you very much.